Now back to the happy hour with Nick Sainert and Enrique Alvarez Clary on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome back into the happy hour, 93.7 The Ticket, theticketfm.com. Nick and Rico hanging out with you guys. A lot of excitement, optimism, curiosity surrounding Nebraska football right now. And and I think rightfully so. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about maybe how this season could play out, uh, especially with Mickey Joseph leading the way and things that we're hearing, as well as Bill Bush running a much simpler uh, defense. But... For right now, let's go to our Monday guest. Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska joins us on the Honda of Lincoln Hotline, 402-464-5685 is the number for you guys to call and text as well. Hello, Steve. How's it going? Hello, gentlemen. It's, I'm, I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. Much better after a win. I was going to say, so how much just and much more enjoyable is your job after a Husker victory? It's funny you mention that because I said the exact same thing. Like, you know, and, and once the fourth quarter hit and things started going really well for, for Nebraska against Indiana, I turned to my coworker and I, coworkers and I said, like, wow, this is so much better when, when there's positivity and, and, and things to smile about going on. So, yeah, I mean, on, on days like this, on Mondays when you get to talk to Mickey Joseph and some of the players and they have smiles on their faces and they're talking about positive things, it, it makes our job much, much easier. <laughs> I guess when you look back at that game against Indiana, I mean – what were your just overall takeaways from the game? Well, the thing that um, jumps off the page to me is obviously the defense and, and what um, defensive coordinator Bill Bush has achieved in, in a short amount of time. Just He had that bye week and then, then the week leading up to the game. So just the, the amount of work that he put in and, and the difference that he made. Um, and, and I know the, the Hoosiers are an, an inconsistent team. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Bazelak, the quarterback, is up and down. Um, but, you know, at this point in time, who cares? A win is a win. And for Bill Bush to kind of simplify some things and, and get the players just to be set, put, put their feet in the ground and play football, um, it seems simple, kind of day one stuff, but that obviously wasn't happening to the first four games. And for him to make the necessary changes um, to, to turn this defense into something respectable, um, at least for one game, um, it, that was kind of my – Top top takeaway from the win. So you, you were talking about the defense. That was that was your, one of your top takeaways. And I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed it right away. The defensive line getting a lot more push against the Indiana offensive line than we've seen in the last couple of games for for Nebraska's defensive line. And I don't know how much of that is just being lined up in the right spot. But is there is there something else that you might have seen or, or a takeaway that you had from from just the defense's effort and the the vast improvement uh, in, in granted it's one game against Indiana, but from the, from the first four games of the season. I think that there was just a different energy. I don't know if there was, uh, especially with the defensive line, I don't know schematically. Um, I, I kind of wish I was a coach and knew the X's and O's of this thing, but um, I, I don't know if they did, did anything entirely different up front, but there just seemed to be a, a different energy level, a different kind of aggression. I mean, we saw that, um, if you looked out of the corners with Quentin Newsom and, and Malcolm Hartsog, a true freshman um, from Mississippi, who earned his first start at corner, those guys were playing tight 
man, tight man-to-man coverage a lot. Um, and usually a lot of the times um, we've been accustomed to those five and six yard um, cushions mm-hmm. with the, with the DBs. But um, on, on Saturday against Indiana, they were tightening up the coverage, bumping and running. And then, so when I take that and I think about the D line, like you asked about, it just, they just seemed like a different, uh, kind of a different beast with, with the energy factor and um, Colton's beast had a really good game. Ty Robinson, I know, was kind of a – he was talked about in the post-game press conference about just, you know, having a, a different mindset. And um, Mickey Joseph talked today about kind of letting him loose, um, telling Ty that, you know, we all know that he's a good player, but it doesn't seem like his aggression is always at the level where it needs to be. And I think it definitely was in Indiana um, that he had that tackle for loss and, and some quarterback pressure. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they did anything schematically different, but I think whatever Bill Brush did, he got through to, to Ty Robinson and with kind of that aggression factor, and I, I think that means a lot. We're, we're joined by Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska and, and our normal Monday guest. When, when we look at this uh, depth chart now this week, I believe I saw that Malcolm Hartzog is listed as co-number one with Tommy Hill at that at that defensive back spot um, opposite Quentin Newsom still. I mean, how crazy is it just the – the the burst that Malcolm Hartzog has ha- has had in the in the depth chart and just also on the field in the last couple of weeks because he's just kind of come out of nowhere. I mean, how impressive is this? I I was super super impressed, and you're right. There was there was absolutely zero talk of Malcolm Hartzog for a long long mm-hmm. time here um, since he get on got on campus. But you know the coaches must have seen something that they liked um, in in practice that that allowed him to get his shot um, out there, his opportunity. And what I think he brings, he just he doesn't um, back down. I think, and and for a very small player, he's five nine, a uh, hundred seventy pounds. He's listed at one seventy, but I'm I'm sure he's closer to one sixty five or even one sixty. But for that stature of a corner, he doesn't back down much. And I think um, Mickey Joseph really respects that about him and likes that about him. Um, when you have a a guy who's not afraid to to play against bigger receivers, that's that's the mindset you need to have for corner. And boy, I, I just go back to the fact, like you said, he, he wasn't talked about a lot, um, much at all when he was mm-hmm. um, in, in the preseason and especially early during the season. But, um, you know, he showed he, he had a pass breakup against Indiana, um, who, who was uh, without their top two, cor- uh, top two receivers in Ken Camper and DJ Matthews. But still, um, the Bush's defense played a lot more aggressively, tighter man coverage, like I said, and, um, you know, I think I think uh, Hartsock has a really bright future ahead of him, and it's just going to be interesting to see how he grows and how he builds off this this good performance. Because um, if they could, if these new faces start playing well on Nebraska's defense, it, it just speaks to the the coaching decisions and then and the new the new blood, the fresh outlook with these with the new coaches. So um, I think it's a really cool story that Malcolm Hartsog is is playing and doing well. Steve, you were talking about the aggressiveness on the defense and, and the the increase in aggressiveness that, that they played with, and that kind of led to uh, us hearing the voices of the referees quite a bit on Saturday, and, and I hope that it didn't impede with your, uh, with your deadline on getting a story written uh, too much with how late the game went, but the, the increased aggressiveness from the defense and the increase in flags, is that kind of something that, that you believe went hand in hand? Yes, absolutely. Um, when I was Mentioning the increased aggression on defense, you know, it was a it was a, a kind of a, a game that was weird to watch just because of all the flags and 
of the referee show. I think there was 23 combined penalties. I think Nebraska had 12. Indiana had 11. Um, but the, the good thing, and I'm glad Nikki Joseph said this after the game, was um, when you play a, phys- a physical, more aggressive brand of defense, you're going to naturally pick up more more penalties. Um, I know Quentin Newsom is, has an awful, awful grabby in his coverage this year. Um, and, and I think Hartzog is playing some tight coverage. And, you know, these, when you do that, things just kind of more, there's more opportunities for the, for the refs to throw the flags. But I'm, I'm glad Nikki Joseph after the game said that, you know, when, when you're as aggressive as they were on Saturday, um, you're going to pick up some penalties. And he's okay with, you know, one or two penalties there, as long as it means, you know, you're playing aggressively and, and you're doing the right thing. So, you know, in my opinion, I, I kind of share that same thought. If, if you're playing hard, um, you know, if you get called a couple times, you know, that's fine. Just go, just keep playing hard and, and see what happens. We're joined by Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska here on the happy hour. And Steve, I, I don't I was talking to Rico in, in the last 30 minutes or so about how much I enjoy hearing Mickey Joseph speak and the press conferences and the details and transparency that Mickey Joseph provides about the conversation that he has with guys, especially where he talked about Casey Thompson today and, and how Casey and him sat down and he goes, listen, we're, Casey's not special. Everybody's kind of on the same playing field here. I mean, how refreshing is it, as a guy that's heard previous coaches talk as well, how refreshing is it that we have a, a head coach in Mickey Joseph now who is, is completely transparent, upfront, and honest, not only with, with the guys that are in the locker room, his coaching staff, but also with the media? I'm super, super impressed with Mickey Joseph, and I think he's handling this transition from receivers coach to interim head coach really really well and um just from from my career covering um you know high school small town high school sports and then uh, gradually getting up to the college level I've, I've heard a lot of coaches talk I've interviewed a lot of coaches and a lot of them um just go to the coach speak right say the absolutely the right thing um make no headlines and I get that about coaches I understand why they do it but with Mickey Joseph he's real and there's no bs um so I really respect that, and I think a lot of my colleagues do as well. Um, you know, when, when a coach like that just says what's on his mind, you know, in a, in a polite, good manner, um, and he's not trying to hide from anything, I don't think Mickey Joseph has hid from a lot, has hid from a lot in his life, um, and he's showing it right now with just, you know, being real up front and just being a good dude up there. So I think he, I think um, I know of, for a fact myself and a lot of my colleagues, colleagues really appreciate um, really appreciate how he handles um, the, the press conferences and, and you know it's, it's kind of refreshing refreshing to hear from from what we came from Steve couple more before we let you go because we got to get to our flavor of the week here in a moment but first <laughs> I, I guess I, I I guess when building off of that last like comment that you just had there how much more optimism should Husker fans have when we hear things like that from Mickey Joseph and, and hear that he and Casey Thompson had not only a conversation on the sideline along with Mark Whipple on Saturday after he got pulled, but also they came back to it and, and revisited the topic on Sunday. I mean, should that give Husker fans optimism for, uh, although we might not see things changing on the field in terms of wins and losses, things are going on behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a, that's an excellent point because I don't know if it was always like that um, with, with Scott Frost and, and um, you know what, what this season started out with. I don't, I don't know if Casey Thompson may have felt comfortable doing that, but he sure as heck is right now with, with Mickey Joseph, who, again, he said today um, was a, a massive reason why he chose to transfer to Nebraska in the first place. So when you have the head coach 
um, and, and the quarterback on the same page and, and when they know each other and have such a strong relationship like Casey Thompson and Nikki Joseph have right now, um, that, that just, you know, the optimism just goes through the roof. That's exactly what you, how, how it should be, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because that just um, makes you confident that, you know, when the, when the head coach is on the same page as, as the starting quarterback, um, good things happen. And I think good things are happening right now, and they can continue to happen with Nebraska as they head to a winnable game in, in Rutgers. It's going to be tough. Rutgers is a tough team. They always are with Greg Schiano. Um, but Friday, Friday night is going to be a, a winnable game. And, you know, win that, see what else happens in the Big Ten West. <laughs> we, we know how, what kind of a wild ride the Big Ten West mm-hmm. is going to be this season. So who knows what's going to happen. But right now there should be a lot of optimism with Nebraska fans, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, Steve, it's time to get to the flavor of the week. Rico's got to play his jingle, and then we'll, we'll ask you a couple questions here on the other side of it. You both love it, and I know it. Trev Alberts, he don't know anything about him. He might win here, have no fear. I wish that I could make him see. He's just the flavor of the week. Thank you, Rico. The Flavor of the Week with Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Uh, Steve, uh, speaking of Trev Alberts, it was a pretty cool sight on Saturday with the whole game ball situation with Mickey Joseph. But who is your Flavor of the Week this Monday afternoon? So I'm picking one this time, huh? Yep. Yes. Okay. Hmm, man, let's go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a weird one out here. Let's go with Jim Leonard. Flavor of the week. Whoa! In the new interim head coach at Wisconsin. Exactly. So um, when we listened to Trev Alberts way back um, on that Sunday after he uh, fired Scott Frost, he, he laid out a lot of his things, a lot of the traits that he looks for in future head coaches. And to me, a lot of it um, went along the lines of that kind of spoke to Jim Leonard. I think Jim Leonard possesses a lot of that. He possesses a lot of co- head coaching traits, but one big one and that's head coaching experience however after the news um yesterday with um paul chris being let go as mm-hmm. the head coach of wisconsin that now brings um jim Leonard into the interim role and now um, i think a lot of programs around, around the country are going to be keeping their eyes on the last seven games of the wisconsin badgers led by interim head coach jim leonard so wow um, well, i know I'm not saying Jim Leonard is going to be the next head coach yeah. of Nebraska, but I am saying that it's going to be really interesting, just like it is with Mickey Joseph, to see how he finishes out this season. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how Wisconsin finishes this season and how specifically Jim Leonard, how he handles um, these next seven games, because we know that defense is going to be tough. It always is with Jim Leonard. He's one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. I'm interested to see on what, what changes, if any, happen on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, this is going to be his first kind of test as a head coach just to see what a Jim Leonard um, offense might look like. And now I know the, the pieces aren't there, and I don't expect them to be running the up-tempo up, up spread offense anytime soon at Wisconsin. But mm-hmm. I'll be keeping my eye on Jim Leonard and the offense so, and what's, what it kind of looks like going forward. So, um, Jim Leonard, just a little a little interesting um, development in the Big Ten West on Saturday with him um, rising to the interim head coaching tag at uh, Wisconsin. That that's wild. I didn't think about that. Okay, so speaking of the whole Wisconsin situation, what are your takeaways from 
the Badgers deciding to move on from Paul Chris because I feel like the people that I've talked to, there's a lot of mixed emotions. I mean, I'll read this to you. Uh, I saw a tweet. It's from Matt Fortuna on uh, on Twitter. Paul Chris is a Madison native and a Wisconsin alum. He spent 33 of his 56 years in town as either a kid, a Badgers quarterback, or the Wisconsin head coach. He was 67 and 26, 43 and 18 in the Big Ten. He won three division titles and two New Year's Six bowl games. He was also a two-time Big Ten Conference uh, Coach of the Year. What was your takeaway when you saw the the whole Paul Christ getting fired situation? Because they did get uh, obliterated by Ohio State, and then they got obliterated at home by Illinois as well. So what was your takeaway? Man, it was pretty poetic to see, to realize that Paul Christ's last loss at Wisconsin came at the hands of a Brett Belima. That's right. Football team. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's just crazy to think about. But um, with Wisconsin moving on from a head coach midseason, I don't know if th- that doesn't just sound very Wisconsin-ish. You no. know what I mean? It just doesn't seem like they would be a program to do that. Um, but you know, it, it did, and I found it really interesting that Wisconsin's athletic director. I can't. His first name um, is escaping me right now, but his last name's McIntosh. I think it's um, Chris. What's that? Is it Chris McIntosh? I want to say it's Chris McIntosh. Chris McIntosh. Yes, that sounds right. I look. I was doing a little bit of research on him, and he was a former Wisconsin offensive lineman, a former first-round NFL draft pick. He didn't last too long in the NFL, but he came back um, and, and did some administration administration roles at Wisconsin, and was bumped up, bumped up to the AD level um, last year. And you know, he he winds up firing a former Wisconsin quarterback and Paul Christ too. So you got some Wisconsin on Wisconsin alum um, fire going on right now. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it really surprised me, I guess. Um, I know Paul Chris, a lot of people are um, kind of comparing this firing to when Nebraska let go of Frank Sol is just a really mm-hmm. successful head coach. Um, but, you know, if you listen to Mc, uh, McIntosh, and, and he, he had kind of trouble explaining why he did it. Um, but, you know, I, I think he has eyes on the future and what Wisconsin football is going to look like in the future. And I know uh, Chris had been kind of stumbling um, re- recently, um, wasn't winning as much as he as he once was um, earlier in his tenure at Wisconsin. But, yeah, when I saw that um, on Sunday, I, I just my, my jaw dropped. I didn't really see that happening midseason at Wisconsin. Wow. You speak of the poeticness of, of him losing his final game to Brett Bielma. It's also poetic because – that loss kept him from tying Brett Bielma for second all-time in coaching wins at Wisconsin. That's an amazing stat, Rico. That is nuts <laughs> right now. I, I, I need a, a live camera, a live stream on uh, Brett Bielma's office. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> on that guy's face. That's still all- second well- all-time behind Barry Alvarez. <laughs> it is a good thing also, Steve, that you did not choose Carl Durrell as your flavor of the week. Oh my gosh, that would have been a terrible place to be. Go ahead, choose the Colorado coach. Colorado, might, my, my, they are the the worst Power Five football team out there right now. It is bad. It's not going well over there um, in Boulder for sure. <laughs> and and Nebraska, Nebraska plays them to Next start year. the season, right? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that's that's true. And one one name to keep an eye on. Um, is Illinois' defensive coordinator, um, Walters. I for, oh, Man, I'm, I'm bad with first names right now. That's I, right. I forget his first. Uh, yeah, Ryan Walters, for sure. He was one of the, <laughs> getting to be one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation in his short career at Missouri and now in 
um, Illinois. So um, wow. one, to keep, one to keep an eye on for Colorado, I guess. Ryan Walters, the That's wild. defensive coordinator. All right, Steve. Well, hey, I appreciate you hanging on a little bit longer than normal, but we uh, we have a, a good time as always. Thanks for the flavor of the week and all the, the thoughts on Nebraska football. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Rico. That is Steve Mark of Inside Nebraska. Appreciate his time as always. The flavor of the week this week for Steve was Jim Leonard, which I, I, I was not expecting that one. I was expecting a Mickey Joseph. I was expecting even a Brett Bielema. Like, I, 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 Maybe. Are I was, you, are you I was not expecting in, Mickey. I was expecting Mickey. Are you in the Brett Bielema boat? I mean, I, would, I, like, I, I don't hate it, but it would fit. Would it? In the Big Ten, absolutely. In the Big Ten, yeah, but would it? Nebraska. Nebraska's in the Big Ten. Eh, whatever. I don't know. But all right, let's go ahead and take our final timeout. We'll be joined by Nathan uh, and, and possibly Strick coming up in a couple minutes for the crossover. You're listening to the happy hour on the ticket. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store to stay in touch and listen all day long wherever you are. More of the happy hour is next on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.